The drive-through is GTM's monthly news episode and is sponsored in part by organizations like hpdejunkie.com, Hooked on Driving, AmericanMuscle.com, CollectorCarGuide.net, Project Motoring, Garage Style Magazine, and many others. If you are interested in becoming a sponsor of the drive-through, look no further than www.gtmotorsports.org. Click About and then Advertising. Thank you again to everyone that supports Grand Touring Motorsports, our podcast, Break Fix, and all the other services we provide. Formula One is the ultimate competition. Competitiveness, high stakes, and politics. It's described as a traveling circus with thousands of employees that all share the same desire to win. The drivers are the best in the world, and they all think they're the one. They all want to be the best, and they're never less than full send. Welcome to our annual Best of Retrospective on Automotive, Motorsports, and Random Car Adjacent News. We're focusing on the entirety of the 2022 season of Formula One in our special drive through to Survive. What's going on? The racing season ends for us here locally, usually around the late October, early November timeframe. But in other parts of the world where there's lots of sand and no ocean, you know, they're still running Formula One races and, you know, Dakar and all this other kinds of stuff. And so there's always little tidbits of news here and there. But as we lead into the opening of the next racing season, which Rolex is right around the corner in January 29th and 30th weekend here in Florida yet again. So maybe some interesting Florida stories. The news from the NASCAR world is Jacques Villeneuve, former Formula One champ and IndyCar 500 champ, is going to make a run at the Daytona 500, which is coming up after Rolex. So curious to see how that turns out. I mean, he's basically kind of coming out of retirement to go run in NASCAR. I mean, yay. Cool. So let's talk a little bit about open wheel news. What's hot and what's not? An Indy card, Formula One. What's not hot is that Williams died. Frank Williams, the uh, I guess the team founder for the Williams F1 team, he passed away at age 79. His daughter was, I think, daughter or granddaughter, was running the team and owned the team. And I think the Williams team sold last year to an investment firm, Doralton Capital. So, and they're still yeah. going to be the backmarkeriest backmarker team of all of Formula One, right? Well, they're going to have some competition with Haas. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, they've been doing pretty well. But they're they also, they're losing George Russell because George Russell is going to be Lewis Hamilton's teammate for the coming season. So they've got the new, I, th- I think they're the ones with the new Chinese driver from Formula Two that's, that's moving up. So who knows? They'll be battling for worse five. But there's other sad news in Formula One. The king has been dethroned. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lewis Hamilton lost. He is no longer the reigning champion. That title has gone to Max Verstappen due to some late lap final race heroics on his part. It was a complete farce. And I mean, whoever camp you're in, you're not completely happy, I guess, unless you're a Max Verstappen fan, but whatever. Daniel Ricciardo won a won a race this year, so I'm happy. Any podium, that's all that matters. Yeah, and I mean, there's lots of memes and lots of stuff. I mean, people are even posting about, hey, don't forget about science. You know, he had a great year despite all the drama that's going on. So, I don't know. Maybe I'll pay attention next year. <laughs> 
you'll have to convince me. If you're looking to pay attention this year coming up, you would like to know that come February, the teams start unveiling their new cars for the 2022 season. So the schedule goes Aston Martin's first on February 10th, then McLaren on February 11th, Ferrari is the 17th, then Alfa Romeo is to be announced along with everybody else, Alfa Tauri, Alpine, Alpine, Haas, Mercedes, Red Bull. They're all, you know, after those dates. So once I see the first one, I'm good, right? Basically, yeah. All the cars are, because of the new regulations and everything, all the cars are should be very close to each other. Yeah, yeah. And there, I'm sure there's silliness and chicanery about all of them that, you know, ridiculous wings and, and all that kind of stuff. If, if you watch Aston, the Aston Martin, then it's going to be the exact same car as the Mercedes because that's what they got in trouble for. Yeah, right. I just year. wish Formula One would go back to the old days where they could build their own chassis and their own bodies and do their own engines and, and be all over the map. I mean, I just feel like, you know, it's like IROC. They're all in little go-karts and they're all the same and, you know, change the paint color from red to Pepto to green and the, you call them a different team. I, I don't know. It's basically the NASCAR of the open wheel world. You wait, know, that's some, IndyCar. Oh, wait. Yeah, never mind. Because some people were saying for a while there, you know, IndyCar was the hottest thing on TV. It was, the, it was the racing to watch and still have a hard time believing that. I still think IMSA is, is the way to go. It's some of the best racing. I mean, outside of of a race like the mid 400 you know and some of those big off-road races where you can get really close to the trucks and the drivers imps is the same way there's just this 10-foot pole between us the fans and the racing itself and it feels too marketing heavy and just it's too much of a circus and i don't know it's, it's kind of turned me off i mean granted in the wrc world you can't get close anymore you know because of the deaths and the safety and all that and it's still they're just bonkers WRC is absolutely nuts. I got to tune in because Finland and on all those big races in Sweden and whatnot are happening now here in the middle of winter. So I'm, I'm looking forward to the WRC season kicking off, you know, tuning into Red Bull's coverage. They do an excellent job for those that are probably going to work. And I watch a rally race. I've said it time and time again, Red Bull TV for free in 4k, check it out. So there was some rumors that Brad Pitt was going to be making some sort of Formula One movie and that, you know, oh, maybe Lewis Hamilton was going to be in it or or somehow consult on it or something like that. You know, it was all very fresh at the time, but as the weeks go by, we're getting a little bit more information and now we're learning that Apple... So I guess this will end up on Apple TV. Apple and Brad Pitt are working together on this Formula One kind of inspired drama. When this was first announced, I actually made the comment, what is this just going to be driven with Formula One cars, which was that Sylvester Stallone hot trash movie where they were driving indie cars around whatever the hell city it was, which allegedly I think that movie was originally supposed to be Formula One cars. So we're finally making the movie we intended to make back then, but with Brad Pitt starring in it. So we know it's just going to be better, right? No. I'm always down for a car movie good, bad, or whatever. I mean, we've started an entire sub show of Break Fix where we review bad car movies. So I'm going to add this to our list when it comes out. It'll be interesting to see as this progresses and we learn more what exactly it's going to develop into. It's not looking... I feel like it should be Tom Cruise. Wait, we already did that movie too. I feel like this is going to be Troy with helmets. That's what this is going to be. Can Eric Bana play the bad guy? At least he's a car guy. But speaking of other dramas on television, what about Formula One? What's going on over there, Brad? What's the big news? Uh, 
all the manufacturers are or all the teams are releasing their new 2022 cars i think haas was the first team to do it and yeah i mean all the cars pretty much look the same they're all cool i believe the wheels are bigger i mean the tires are bigger than they have been previously so that should help so i'm just gonna have to wait and see how they perform on in some way make the racing more exciting we're gonna go ahead and see we always say that every year i hear that phrase we're gonna make the racing more exciting has that ever proven to be true since Bernie Ecclestone or Ecclestein, whatever his name is, is no longer in charge and that other guy sports or whatever took it over, they have made some improvements. And actually this year is the first year where they implemented a lot of different changes, especially to the cars and stuff. So I think it could be good. Last year they they were playing around at a lot of the races with the sprint race as a qualifying race. I think that was really cool inadvertently or with without their even trying some of the races ended up almost in like a reverse grid because of red flags and stuff like that on the restart which was super exciting that wasn't anything that they actually did it was just kind of a coincidence thing they are trying to make changes some of them make it more exciting but it depends on what you're looking for in racing some of our f1 fans hate the idea of the sprint race because it takes away from the the actual qualifying and and it adds nothing really It, it discourages someone from actually trying to qualify you know and have the fastest lap i'm gonna watch anyway i like f1 racing i think it's much more exciting than that good indy car i thought the new formula cars were indy cars they really look similar they're, i mean they, i've looked at they look identical but they i mean the mclarens the astons i was like man that's a cool livery on that indy car you guys got there and like whatever but to your point about making the racing more exciting and, and the changes my hot take on this is If you want the racing to be more exciting, get rid of all this balance of power nonsense. What the people want, what the fans want is not everybody to be the same. This isn't go-kart racing. This isn't even NASCAR for that respect. And NASCAR, I think, should change too. Let people build their cars. We're going to talk about here with Rolex. And actually, we should probably maybe transition to Rolex at the same time. You know, when they did the balance of power on the Corvettes, if you can't build a car that competes, build a better car. Stop penalizing everybody. If you're hitting, if you're following the marks of the rules, build a better car. The only caveat to that is I would say institute some sort of budget to keep some of the, I mean, there's a huge disparity in the amount of money that some of these race teams have. Like obviously the factory teams like Mercedes are going to have a significant budget compared to a team like Haas. Why don't we split F1 down the middle and do like they did in WRC where it's WRC1 and WRC2. So there's F1A and F1B. It's essentially what it is. There's the, the best and then the best of the rest but it, that's an unofficial thing. It's not official. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I would, I would agree with that. But, but, but look at it this way. If it was cheaper for Williams to develop, like they did in the seventies, like a six wheeled formula car and have it be a V12, let them do it. Who cares? Like this whole cookie cutter, everybody's got the same car with different skin on it. It doesn't do anything for me. This is why I stopped being interested in Formula One was right after the V10 era where all the cars were basically the same. And, and, and during the V10 era, it was it was still different enough. Ferrari still had their motors. BMW had their motors. Renault had their motors. And they were all different enough and they performed differently. Some were better than others. To your point, Ferrari has deep pockets, you know, things like that. But once they decided to make all the F1 cars cookie cutter, I'm done. I checked out. I don't care. I see that in a lot of other racing and it, and it hurts me because I think it takes away from the, 
technological progression. It takes away from the ingenuity. It takes away from the originality. And when you're looking at the cars, you're like, well, what's the difference between the Aston and the Honda? There should be a clear delineation between what they are and what they're capable of. Not the same thing. Here it is. It's, there's, there is a teen spending cap. It's down to $140 million from one seventy five oh. in 2020. Oh, damn. Is that all? To, to help level the playing field for smaller teams like Haas as they go up against outfits with relatively unlimited resources like Ferrari, Mercedes, and Red Bull, which used to spend upwards of $400 million annually. So yes, they're instituting that as well as all these other changes to kind of more... Here's the underdog story, right? Ferrari spends $400 million and they get their butts handed to them by Williams, who can only spend one seventy five. So who cares? Let them spend a billion dollars if they want to, but build a better mousetrap, figure out a way to do it. And, and you know where it comes from? The better engineers are the ones that do more with less. That's been proven time and time again. The cars that succeed are the ones that were built with less and they got more out of them than the folks that had deep pockets. That's the Porsche story. That's the early Italian sports car stories where they didn't have anything and they built from nothing. So I think we've we've gone away from that and it, and it, it takes away from the racing in my opinion because it's like watching a video game, right? And we'll talk about that in a minute too. And here we are at the tail end of March. And, you know, a lot of the racing season has begun, but it's still pretty much in its infancy. There's never an unending amount of drama over in the Formula One side of motorsports. I will start off with more serious news before I pass the baton off to Brad to catch us up on all the things that have happened in the world of Formula One. Michael Andretti has officially submitted his American Formula One team plans. Yay! Oh, that was the somber news. <laughs> Yeah, that was pretty much it. <laughs> he didn't say, he said serious, more oh, serious news, no. which I'm all for an Andretti team in Formula One. I guess maybe he'll take over the Haas team or something. I don't know. I, I don't think know that would make, that would make sense. Yeah. Especially with see, everything that's going on. I don't see them adding another team with two more drivers to make the field 22 cars. I don't see that happening. So he's got to take over for somebody else. Cool. Good on him. I hope he's well, got enough money to do it for more than one year. Well, since you brought up a Haas, that's a great way to talk about what's been going on. Yeah, so F1 raced last week, Bahrain. Haas, you know, I'm sure everybody knows what's going on in the Ukraine. Uh, and because of sanctions and this, that, and the other, and social influence, global social influence around the world, people are basically cutting ties with anything that has to do with Russia, including the Haas race team. They had a Russian driver, Nikita Mazepin. His father was the main team sponsor. His company basically- Ural Kalai or something? Yeah, Ural Kalai. They were an agricultural company. Basically, Haas cut ties with them, ripped up their contract, and then fired his son. Uh, and then in doing so, they brought on Kevin Magnuson, who used to race for Haas prior to last year. It was a good turnout. Kevin Magnuson got fifth place in the race. That's you know, awesome. Qualif qualified in seventh, I believe. Finished in fifth. It helped that both Red Bulls and one of the uh, AlphaTauri cars DNF'd. That freed up a couple spots ahead of him. But it was an excellent showing from Haas, who, if we all remember last year, finished dead last and second to dead last the entire <laughs> season well because they made a strategic plan instead of investing a ton of money into building a competitive car for one season 
when all the regulations were changing for the next year, they elected to say F that. They took all their resources, put it into the new car, and just said, we're going to run last year's car, and we're just going to give these rookie drivers some experience. That's what we're going to do. I mean, even Schumacher came in in 11. Now he missed the points. It's clear that the new Haas car is competitive. Well, I can't wait to see how they spin this on Drive to Survive. Oh, wait, I can wait because I haven't watched a single episode yet. And it's probably for good reason, because now Formula One is chasing Netflix, saying there is undue drama in that series. So I don't know who to believe anymore. Right. Maybe I just got to go back to watching the races. I still think you should watch Drive to Survive. It's very interesting. But yes, there is a lot of made up controversy and confrontation and soap opera-ness to the whole thing. Okay, so is it is it Bravo level of like reality television, like Real Housewives of Orange County? Or is it... I don't think it's Bravo level. But one thing I will say strikes me as genuine is the hatred between Toto Wolf and Christian Horner. That I think is 100% dead on. I think those two hate each other's guts and it, it comes through in the, in the show, but I don't think Lando and Danny Rick have an issue with each other. I don't think Lando hates Carla signs. You know, they tried to play up those aspects because I guess otherwise gone are the days of the big rivalries, like, like Senna and Prost, the, like the, yeah. or Hunt and, Hunt and Lada. I think those days are over with. So they're trying to make it, they're trying to make something out of nothing. But another thing about the F1 race this, this past weekend, Ferrari came in one too for the first time Woo! since 2000, 2018. I think it was 2018 at the same track. Or was it even further back than that? They only did it once in 2018. <laughs> yeah, so it was good to see Ferrari at the front of the pack, one of the fastest cars out there. What's the deal with the Red Bulls and the fuel pump? Wouldn't we all like to know, including Red Bull, I think. <laughs> but uh, they haven't really disclosed too much information, but the cars failed because the engines were starved for fuel. We all hear all the time that lean is mean, but apparently too lean is not that mean. And Mercedes is having issues? Is that what I also heard? There was some speculation and talk during the testing that Mercedes cars weren't up to their usual standards. They did okay. I mean, they came in third and fourth, so they're not terrible. Obviously, if the Red Bulls were there, though, they would have been a little further back. They're not running away with it like they have in previous years. The gap has been closed between the front and the back, which is good. It's it's good for racing. But you know what doesn't exist and has been teased for many, many years is the coming, the shadowing, the grand pedigree of racing. Audi and Porsche are in talks and coming and debuting their Formula One team. (sighs) I don't know if it's so much a team or they want to provide engines. Well, Volkswagen was supposed to provide the motors. So who is it now? But it probably gives more prestige to come from Audi. It's the same BS they did with the 1A Turbo. It's when, they, when, when VW created the 1AT, then Audi suddenly said, well, we invented it. Like, get out of here. It's all the same motor. It's all the same stuff. That block has been around for 40 years. Get out of here. You know, Porsche was in Formula One back in the day. You know, they were an Indy car as well. I want to see them come back because I'm tired of Mercedes and Ferrari. I want to see some, some mixes in there. I want to see them come back and do actually launch a factory team correct i don't want them to sell their crap to somebody else correct see them actually use it 
Because then this ends up like Formula Atlantics or Formula Mazdas. It's like, cool, all, pa- you know, or like the Indy cars, all powered by this motor and everybody's got a different chassis. I don't know. I, I don't like that. But yes, to your point, I'd love to see a factory Porsche team back in Formula One, you know, kicking ass and taking names. But, you know, whatever. Who knows? Stop teasing me. It's been 30 years of teasing me and I'm done with it. What's hot this month in the world of motorsport there, Brad? F1 started not too long ago, and Mercedes is middle of the pack. Ferrari is leading. Woo! It's about time. Yeah, yeah. Red Bull had yet another car failure. Yep, yep. Red Bull is proving to be as reliable. What radio station? What radio station were they tuned to? 94.9 NPR (laughs) Sweaty Balls. I believe there's a race this weekend. I think there's a race every weekend. It's uh, Emilia Romagna. Yeah, they're uh, they're in Italy. Are they in Mugello? No. Autodromo Enzo Dino Ferrario yeah. Spaghetti. It's the Emilia Romagna. They're in Emilia. Whatever. Former home of the San Marino Grand Prix. <laughs> anyway, there's Bill Pickle this weekend. Uh, there's an F- F1 race this weekend. We got Bill Pickle, Dick Trickle, and Cold Trickle. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. Ricky Bobby. <laughs> You guys are big into Formula One, and I hear some exciting news coming from our friends at VW Porsche and Audi. Yeah, some of our favorite brands, they've announced that they are coming to Formula One in, what, 2026, it looks like? Not soon enough. 2026? We got to wait that long? I mean, is that when they're bringing out the next generation of car that they just brought out the new generation now? We're waiting for that. It seems like a three to five year timetable in Formula One. Will they be running 20 inch wheels then? Are they waiting for Trump to become president again and, and reduce the cafe uh, requirements? VW, the parent company of Audi and Porsche, et cetera, they're making a push to put Porsche and Audi in Formula One, not just in engines, but actually have their colors being run on a car. I don't, I don't know think which... that has been said at all. It looks like Audi is has an agreement with McLaren, I guess, for power plants. Both of these okay. agreements are for power plants. Porsche will be powering the, the Red Bulls. I don't even think there's an agreement. I think there's a, we on this side want to do this, uh, Audi Porsche. And then McLaren's like, middle finger, we don't want you. And I'm sure there'll be negotiations. At least that was my understanding. So maybe it's all for nothing. Maybe they're going to power the Andretti car. But the question is with that is, are they going to let another team in and have 22 drivers or is Andretti going to have to buy out somebody? I personally, I think Gene Haas is looking to get out of Formula One because it's a lost leader for him. I mean, this year, the team's been doing a lot better than they have previously, but still, I think he's been looking for an excuse to get out of Formula One for a little while. What do you do? Driver shuffle or you just kick Schumacher to the curb? Well, you keep Schumacher because you got rid of the Russian. No, you can't because Andretti wants to have American drivers on an American team in Formula Mm. One. He can put Schumacher on the B squad and keep him as a test driver for the team and not break his contract. Yeah, but once you get a taste of that sweet, sweet Formula One drive, you don't want to be a test driver anymore. I mean, I'm sure there might be some other team. I'm sure there's like, you know, some other team that wants to kick somebody out. Maybe they could swoop, swoop up Schumacher or Magnussen. At this point, I'm sure that Mercedes wants to get rid of Hamilton since he hasn't done jack shit this year. (laughs) How quickly they're dethroned. I mean, I can say that because I already know he's a much better driver than anybody else in the world. (laughs) So I don't don't care. Yes, Lewis, you're better than me, but you're still going to get kicked off the team. It's either you or Toto. 
Toto ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. So Audi and Porsche want to gain Formula One. They just need to find a team that they can give power plans to. I think they should go ahead and extend the field. Why I not? do too. I don't think it would hurt. It's not like there'd be that much more traffic. Yeah, they just got to get around the back markers of Williams. There's another team right for the taking. Williams is already under new new uh, ownership. Didn't they do a documentary, like basically showcasing that they were dead? I mean, what was going on? What's going on? You, you know, there's this show on Netflix called Drive to Survive, no, no, where they talk about no, all of this stuff. It's no, been on for four no, seasons now. No. Three seasons? Four seasons. Tanya, no. correct me if I'm wrong. Three four seasons. Four seasons. Yeah. There's a lot of information out there. Eric. Uh-huh. There's a lot of information on ancient aliens too. So I'll just continue watching that. <laughs> you go ahead and watch WRC with your tinfoil hat and us normal humans are going to stick with F1. Just an update. The DeLorean reveal is in four <laughs> days, two hours, eight minutes and 27 seconds. 26. 25, 24, <laughs> 23, 22, 21. And we're going to talk about two disciplines simultaneously. And generally, these two disciplines don't go together, and that's NASCAR and Formula One. They should go together. Aren't there plenty of Formula One drivers that have made the transition to NASCAR? Juan Pablo Montoya comes to mind. Well, I mean, there is the guy from um, Ricky Bobby, and then uh, Cole Trickle. (laughs) Cole Trickle, exactly. (laughs) But what are we really on about? Kimi Raikkonen making his return to the motorsports world. The Iceman. Yes, and he's going to be driving what, Brad? A NASCAR number 91 Chevrolet Camaro at the Watkins Glen International Raceway up in Watkins Glen, New York. So he's going to run on a road course in a NASCAR. So that'll be interesting. Well, it's a limited road course. It's not the full. He's not going to do the toe and then all that jazz. But this seems to be a new concept that Trackhouse Racing is pushing to put more overseas drivers, Formula One drivers, and IndyCar drivers alike in NASCAR Cup Series stock cars. I want to know if he's going to be using a three-spoke steering wheel. They have that pad in the middle. You seen those? You know? That would be new for him, though, right? It's true. Do they even have spokes on their steering wheels? They're like rectangles with handles on them. Yeah, with about 500 buttons. You're right. Nobody knows what they do. <laughs> buttons and switches. I mean, good for Kimmy. Is NASCAR that desperate? That's my question. His retirement, he must have got really bored really quickly. You see it all the time. I mean, Mika Hakkinen went to WRC and Olivier Panisse went to Touring Car. And I mean, there's, I mean, they go wherever they go, right? Valentino Rossi is left motorcycle racing to go racing cars. He's SRO. Okay. Yeah. So Kimi Raikkonen is going to be driving NASCAR in Watkins Glen. Uh, I mean, I guess I would watch that NASCAR race just because it's something different. When is that race? It's in the article. Has NASCAR season started? That's how much I pay attention to NASCAR. <laughs> I know the answer is yes. I thought NASCAR started in February. Wrong answer. NASCAR season never ends. Then how do you know when it begins? NASCAR it's a never ending story. Well, since we brought up Formula One, you two are the resident experts, and I'm just going to bring up a couple of things that I noticed this past month. And we got to start with the Miami Grand Prix. You mean Monaco Light? (laughs) With the fake (laughs) marina and all that other stuff going on there. The thing about that that I thought was ironic, the Miami Grand Prix boss, he admits to being shocked by the financial loss that they took on the race. And I'm like, yeah, you went out of your way to build this ridiculous track with all this fake stuff like Disney World, but you oversold the ticket sales 
and yet you still lost money. I mean, a race in its first year, especially in a new place, isn't going to make money. It's going to make money in its third year because then you're still paying down the investment. But I mean, what did he expect? You know, I got to say the Miami Grand Prix, the spectacle, the fake marina and all that jazz. The helmets. That's exactly what you would expect from a South Florida rendition of the French Riviera Grand Prix. (laughs) (laughs) Which Monaco is coming up this weekend, by the way. And I thought that the uh, the helmets were the coolest part. You know, Lando with his basketball, Danny Rick with his Ace Ventura thing, you know, all that stuff, you know, really lending itself to Florida and whatnot. I, I didn't watch the race. I know you guys did. I don't even remember it. The track was that good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Underwhelming. Because yeah. I didn't hear much from our members as well. I mean, normally there's a big hubbaloo about every race. And this, I that, think the, the one thing, thing I heard was this track is trash. Lots of things that I heard were it was basically the fire festival of the F1 season. Yeah, but at least it happened, right? Because fire festival has yet to go off. Oh, it's okay. No, He's out of jail. Fire, so the fire festival actually happened. They got a whole bunch of rich people together on an, an island in a foreign country. There was no music, but they had a festival. Uh, for a minute there, I thought you were going to talk about Ibiza off the coast of Spain, but you know, hey, whatever. Yeah, no, awesome. no, they were down in South America somewhere. Uh, let me just call up my buddy Jaw Rule and see if I can get the details. I'm trying to think. I, I think it was a pretty boring race. Like nothing really, I say boring race and there was like five DNFs, but... <laughs> Oh, is that, that's, no, that's not the race where Schumacher and like Vettel crashed each other out. No, that was this past weekend. Or that no, was the no, Spanish yeah. Grand Prix. No, no, Vettel and yeah, I think Vettel and Schumacher was this race. Okay. And it didn't, I'm looking at so, a picture right here. Of, uh, so Vettel took himself, well, Vettel got taken out, but Schumacher kept going, I think. Probably, yeah. That's also the race where Vettel claims that he got robbed. <laughs> <laughs> while he was there at the Spanish Grand Prix. And laughingly, I heard from somebody going, did he also claim that they stole his talent at the same time? <laughs> I was like, that's a good one. That's really good. That's clever. So that race was a good race. The, but the Miami, first, not so much. The, I don't, I can barely remember it. I, I do I, remember thinking it was boring. Everyone cool. spread out and like that. But how is it going to be portrayed in seasons five and six of Tribe to Survive? <sighs> because all the drama llamas are going to be so excited to see the behind the scenes of the Miami Grand Prix. Well, there'll be basketball helmets and butt slaps and all that stuff. <laughs> well, it is confirmed that there is going to be a fifth and sixth season of Drive to Survive, which I'm not going to watch on Netflix because I'm which will be interesting to see if, if they've taken any of the uh, feedback from. F1 to tone down their dramatizations. I'll put it this way. And I don't watch the show, but I was thinking about that because we talked about it last month or the month before. If you took the drama away from Drive to Survive, all you'd have left is a boring F1 race. So just watch the F1 race. Well, if you took the drama out of it, you'd have season one and most of season two, I would say. And then like, I haven't watched the fourth one yet, but they definitely increase it in the later seasons. So the bigger question is, with all this drama, is Ferrari cheating? What's all this Uh, nonsense about the tires? Considering, unfortunately, the car died (laughs) in the Spanish GP. No, I don't think they're cheating. (laughs) At least they weren't in that race. Uh, Let me guess. Christian Horner started poking his nose into what Ferrari's doing, saying that Ferrari was cheating. I guess because Mercedes and Toto Wolf are out of the way right now. Although Mercedes did a lot better. 
in this race. George Russell did get a podium. He did. Had an unfortunate incident not happened with Hamilton at the very beginning. I would question whether or not he would have been on the podium. Uh, oh, you mean before he ran into Schumacher? No, before K-Mag took him out on like oh, oh, K-Mag, yes. 0.5 of the lap. I don't think it was K-Mag that did it, though. It was Hamilton drove into him. No. Guys, none of that matters because Leclerc wrecked Lauda's 70s f1 car at the monaco grand prix too that was not his fault the The brakes exploded upon braking and he had no brakes you think he would check those things before sending a vintage car out onto the track well blame whoever the heck is the steward of lauda's car apparently they don't have enough checklists apparently not there's a still shot of it and you can see the brake pads or the road or whatever i mean it was just like you just saw like this explosion you could see the parts like out of the car and it was like and then he hits the wall. How much is that going to cost to fix? I mean, it's been wrecked before, so. Well, the last bit of Formula One news that came across our desk, the FIA clears Aston over Red Bull's F1 similarities after an investigation. What Aren't these cars all the same? No. Well, I mean, Aston was in trouble last year as well for allegedly copying the Mercedes design. Basically, they're like the Hyundais of the F1 <laughs> sport because they see what everybody else is doing that's successful and then they copy it on their own designs i think allegedly last year they said that aston bought the previous year's design for the mercedes car and that's why they were doing so well this reminds me of queen versus vanilla ice dun yes. dun 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 not dun 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 yeah 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 exactly. yeah okay got it <laughs> Good for the Indy 500. I unfortunately didn't watch it, just like Drive to Survive. Not watching that either. So you guys watch the Formula One races. So what is going on? What is this porpoising thing? Did they suddenly turn into sea mammals? What the hell is going on? The cars, they is a bouncy. As they go down as the track, they bouncy, bouncy. What do you mean they're bouncy? They have like more downforce than if another car was sitting on top of them. Yeah, no, no, no. Bouncy, bouncy. We talking kangaroos? Like, what are we talking about here? We're talking Basically. like a like a porpoise. As so a it's porpoise. jumping. They're jumping out of the water. No, they're vibrating. They're bouncing down okay. the streets. There's nothing more exciting than watching a driver's head. They're oscillating vertically. You know the vertical oscillation. We all experience it. So it's it's like the stance bros when they hit a bridge joist and they they bounce for like five minutes until the that's, car settles down. That's exactly what it is. So I think. My opinion on what's going on is all the cars were redesigned for this year and they're finding that now the tracks all need to be repaved. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, it's something to do with the underside. They haven't got it quite right, but apparently like Red Bull has so far because they're not suffering. They haven't suffered as bad as everybody else, but their design is slightly different. They've got, I don't want to say bent the design rules, but maybe there's like, some caveat loophole that they've they've got like these wings at the front underneath that are i think redistributing the air probably in a better way and i don't think anyone else is running quite that same design so i don't know what channeling is happening underneath and basically just sitting there and they're doing this bouncing and they're compressing everyone's spines in the seat and their heads are like floppy rag dolls in the cars at 200 miles an hour bouncing off the halo it can't be pleasant the last race or whatever you know it was azerbaijan when hamilton got out and he was like basically holding his back which everyone likes to complain that he's just a crybaby loser but i can only imagine that is not 
pleasant for your back. So I'm sure he was in legitimate pain. And there were other, I think, drivers complaining about it too. So can I ask a stupid question? No. What if we put the 15-inch wheels back on? And the tires absorb some of yes. the... We talked about this a little bit, but in thinking about it, maybe it's not a tire issue. Well, the tires are part of the suspension on formula cars, right? That well, side, but, sidewall deflection makes a huge difference. But they all have the same tires, right? So why is Red Bull not having an issue? Or other teams aren't complaining as badly. But it could also be the air going over the tires. It could be a lot of things because granted, maybe the overall diameter is the same, but it's not deflecting the air the same way. The sidewalls are stiffer. There's a lot in that tire technology. And it's a little bit, I hate to say, unproven. Going from a 15-inch wheel to an 18, cut the sidewall in half. There's a lot of stuff going on there that I would love to see them just throw a set of 15s on and see if it makes a difference. Like, let's start with the simple things first, right? Because all those designs they come up with, with the funky air and all the, the tunneling stuff that they do, they're pretty, I hate to say, pitch perfect at the end of the day. What's the biggest change to the car is these ridiculous wheels that they put on to make them look like, you know, matchbox cars. Yeah. And the FIA has said, you know, I mean, they issued a press release saying that they're going to step in and look at everything and come up with a solution. Oh, they are. They're just going to wave a magic wand and not worry about the engineers. They're just going to tell them what to do. Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay, cool. Good job, guys. You'll learn about it and drive to survive. No, I won't. (laughs) So Tanya mentioned Azerbaijan. I heard a little rumor that Ferrari had four DNFs in that race. What the heck happened? Signs was a gearbox issue, I think. His motor was High still running. Signs, so, yeah, okay. High, Leclerc blew the motor because all of a sudden it started smoking. Mm-hmm. I think one of the other, one of the Haas's also had a similar fate. It wasn't smoking as badly or it was the Alpha, one or the other. I don't remember which was the issues, but basically, yeah, four of the power plants poo-pooed. And to make matters worse, Schumacher is still having issues. Was that the race he crashed in? I mean, which one hasn't he crashed in? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Schumacher is the new Mazepin. Well, I wouldn't say he's as bad as that guy, but he was doing really well in Canada, except the car died. <laughs> well, have you seen the Canadian track? I mean, I'd love to be there, but it's like driving around a potato. <laughs> it's not like as complicated maybe as some of the other tracks. Are. No, but he qualified. He and Magnuson qualified like five and six. I mean, oh, they nice. were at the top of the field. They I don't... were the only team with two drivers in the top six. Yeah. So, I mean, they were in a good position and then... Unfortunately, Magnuson suffered a front wing damage that meatballed him. And then he lost a shit ton of time in the pits and could never recover. And then Schumacher's car, he pulled it off the track basically because it died. So that was it for Team Haas. And I was very worried during that race because Alonso started on the front line, which apparently was the first time in forever. He was so he started number two, and I was just thinking it's the Alonzo train for 70 laps now, <laughs> which is annoying as hell and amazing to watch all at the same time. No, it's not, it's so frustrating to watch. It's, it's frustrating to be behind him, but oh my, he gets his elbows out so far for he reaches from wall to wall, you cannot get around him, even in the grass. He's just that guy knows how to defend. I was very grateful when he had to pit and let everybody go by. That <laughs> race was a good race. That was a good race. That was a very exciting race. It's unfortunate Leclerc ended up starting all the way in the back, fighting his way through DRS trains to get finally, what did he come in? Fifth? Mm-hmm. Climbed his way back up from basically dead last to fifth. 
probably if he wasn't stuck in DRS trains, could have done so much better. He did some awesome non-DRS passes, which you often don't see non-DRS passes anymore. So it was pretty cool. And then the battle between Sainz and Verstappen at the very end was like someone needed to make a mistake. I mean, Sainz was breathing down his neck and he was making mistakes, unfortunately, and just couldn't get around him. And unfortunately, the Ferraris don't have the straight line speed. So there was no way he was going to make the pass, but he was glued to him basically for the last couple laps trying to get back into first place so there was also a video going around and i'm sure you saw it brad where they were basically critiquing danny rick and talking about how his driving style is part of the reason why he's not competitive because he's too old school now i mean yeah i can see that being a problem he's your heartthrob i mean aren't you a little disappointed by that of course danny rick i miss your boy he's always been in like the middle of the pack He's like this guy that I feel like everyone had all these high expectations and then he had one or two podiums and blah, blah, blah. And then, but for the most part, the majority is middle pack. And then it's just gotten worse. Like he keeps jumping ship. Like he didn't stay long enough with anybody. He had a lot of promise at Red Bull, but Max Verstappen had more promise. And I mean, I think you and I theorized this or you theorized it, that he was kind of maybe a little scared of having to compete with Verstappen and he didn't want to be the number two driver on his own team. Yeah, there's so, ego there, right? So he, he made the jump. The jump to Renault was just not good because the car just wasn't really competitive. With McLaren, it's just a completely different car, and he just he can't seem to get it together. Well, and the McLarens themselves aren't competitive because everyone, you know, Not this year, no, they make Lando seem like you know Lando is supposed to be the next Verstappen himself, and he can't do anything out there either. So yeah, this year McLaren, they kind of like the way Mercedes, they just they can't get it together. But last year the McLarens were pretty competitive. Danny won a, a race. You know, last year. A race. <laughs> Out of how many races? 30? Because everyone else DNF. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh. Well, he, he has actually won some races and he's podium a few times. So he's doing better than a lot of the drivers in the field right now. A lot of the drivers in the field right now have not as much experience. That is as true. Him. They don't have as many races under their belt. I mean, he's like 27 and they're 19. I mean, I get it. He's got some gears on him, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think he's in his 30s. But wow, he's, he's a geezer. He's a bronze yeah right he's bronze class yeah he's 32 i mean for f1 standards no he's ancient but schumacher was still out there running until he was like almost 40 right or something like that i mean a lot of those also in the fastest cars true but i mean back in the day the f1 drivers were a lot older than they are now now they're like you can drive a cart at like five years old and then by eight you're in a formula car you're like good to go you know it's it's nuts so here's what i want to know do we get a christian bale movie version of this kind of like the big short or is that just still called drive to survive i don't get the joke i i I, tanya i think you and i have to shut eric down now if he hasn't watched drive to survive he cannot make drive to survive jokes (laughs) he tried he tried really hard this month to get me to watch it he's like we're gonna do it i'm I'm putting it on the tv i'm like no i can't did you put it on because no, apparently Golden Girls got put on, but not Drive said, to Survive. You know, I clicked on Drive to Survive season one and Golden Girls showed up. Dude, I don't know <laughs> what happened. Those saucy old ladies are amazing. <laughs> that, was the, that was the original Drive to Survive. <laughs> yes. St. Olaf edition. They were surviving, all right. Not much drive there, though. Well, they had a drive to survive. Yeah, not they, that they, they had did. to. Not that they, they had, had to drive to survive, but they had the drive to survive. The drive to survive. And Blanche was a slut. <laughs> Rose said so. We know this. Rose, it's a- Rose said so.
What is the one show that Eric refuses to watch? Game of Thrones. No, I think he watched Game of Thrones. RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> I think that's on his top 10 list. It is a car related show. <laughs> Jay Leno's Garage. <laughs> RuPaul's Drag Race has drag racing. What are you talking about? <laughs> 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 um, Do you not like Motor V? He hates oh, John Davis with a This pack. comes up <laughs> literally every month. I refuse. Every episode. Is it American Top Tier? Because American Top Tier is always more It has garnered more U.S. viewership because of this show on Netflix. Which is the opposite of World Rally Championship. <laughs> I know you watch Russ Valley Store, so I know it's not that. It's a good show. That guy's nuts. Every bad American version of Top Tier. Yeah. Top Tier, yeah, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, they're so bad. But no, not that. Is it Junkyard Wars? Are you anti-Junkyard Wars? I am anti-drive to survive. I refuse to watch oh. it. And Brad almost pinned me down at VIR. And he's like, "We're put- I'm putting it on. And I'm like, nope, I'm leaving the house. We're not so instead, this. bonus, what did we watch at VIR? <laughs> I know. Forza? Naked and afraid. Uh, he was an answer to a previous question, although she was the wrong answer of whose stepmother she was. It's true. And I that mistakenly right. listened to this on the drive home from VIR because it started playing over my Bluetooth. See, they are pa- both pals and confidants. Thank you for being a friend. The problem with Drive to Survive is the season spoiled before it starts. Mike, you Nobody. ruined it. Nobody got that. <laughs> yeah, it's Golden Girls. Golden Girls. Thank you for being I made Brad watch the Golden Girls instead of watching Drive to Survive. Because <laughs> Golden Girls are amazing. Here's here's a little secret. He didn't have to make me. Hey, I watched that growing up. Great show. <laughs> he liked it. He really did. Those four saucy broads. There is a new series coming to Hulu about F1 racing and stuff. You know, something else Eric will never watch. 100%. Daniel Ricciardo has been pegged as one of the executive producers. Hopefully he makes it not cheesy or overly dramatic or fake. I have an issue with how they talk about his racing prowess. He's not Ayrton Senna or Lewis Hamilton or Michael Schumacher. He's only won eight races in F1 people. He's not like a champion or anything like that. So whatever. It's the same thing as like if Kevin Magnuson was, was doing this, whatever. But yeah, there's an F1 show coming out. Eric won't watch it. We'll have to tell you how it is. But you know what I honed in on, Brad? No where it says Danny Rick and Hulu teaming up for scripted F1 TV show. And immediately I said, well, Netflix already has Drive to Survive. What the hell is this? Right? It doesn't make any sense at all. You know, it's going to be a a comedy like that show that was on Netflix about the NASCAR season that they canceled after one season. The one with Kevin James in it. I can't remember what it was called, but it was actually pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That wasn't a bad, that wasn't a bad show. No, it was a pretty good show. They just dropped it. But there's also another docuseries Eric might watch. This one is being led, I guess, development by Keanu Reeves. Greatest person of all time. Wants to develop a docuseries around Ross Braun and Braun GP. Who? Apparently they were two-time champions, Braun GP, Formula One. (laughs) Again, who? I mean, you lost me at Keanu Reeves because he's going to be like, I know Kung Fu. I I mean, I get it. He's like into bikes and all this other kind of stuff. I'm happy there's another Hollywood celebrity that is into cars. If you tell me, yeah, okay, we're doing another Peter Brock film or we're going to do something about Hurley Haywood or whatever, fine. But this, 
whatever. Okay. I'll watch it. It's kind of sort of up there with my attention span of like the lady in the Dale and some of the other stuff. I'll get around to it when I get around to it. It's actually pretty interesting. So Honda pulled out of F1 back in 2008, but there was a team that they had that they just decided we're not going to fund. So the principal of the team bought it from Honda for one pound. He renamed it Braun GP. It was Ross Braun. And then they had Jensen Button and Rubens Barrichello driving, and they won the 2009 season in 2010. Oh, so this is the rich energy car. Now I'm interested. I got it, got it, got it. But I want to know, any drama in the F1 world? Did Mick Schumacher blow up another car again? Or, you know, the Ferraris actually finishing a race? What's going on? So, yeah, Carlos signed. His car broke, so he did not finish the race, the last race that they had, which was... That was the Red Bull ring, I think. Austria. Austria, yeah. Charles Leclerc won, but he was having pedal issues. So he was literally pulling the the accelerator pedal back up with his foot to get it to set and then putting it down and pulling it up. It was still staying engaged like 30% or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't come back. So he would push it down and it wouldn't come back. So he had to manually force it to come. Uh, So he did that the last few laps of the race. Still managed to beat Verstappen. And then Lewis Hamilton got a podium. He came in third. Again. Yep. He's making his comeback, people. Uh, yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Right there with Danny Rick. Well, switching gears, let's talk about GM and motorsports a little bit. There's been a push recently through, what is it, Project 91 and Trackhouse Motorsports to get famous drivers from different disciplines to come run in America's premier racing series, known to us as NASCAR. Yeah. He already have. He already did. It was this past weekend. That's right. Our latest victim was Kimi Raikkonen. And how did he do? Yeah, how did he do? Not well. He got crashed out in the bus stop, I heard. I read his report. He's the Iceman, as he always will be. He didn't say a whole lot. It sounded like he crashed with his own teammate and excuses about how everybody went left and he didn't. And I I don't know. It was just like, okay. There was all this seesawing about where he was in terms of the pack. One minute he was eighth and then he was 28th and then he was 18th. And I didn't really understand what was going on. So what I think happened is he was taking the airline into the bus stop staying far right. Everybody else was taking the NASCAR line, staying far left. And then when he started turning or not turning, basically, because you're far right, you just kind of jerk the wheel a little bit. Everybody else kind of turned in on him and pushed him into the bus stop. More than likely. I hope to see Kimmy out there running some more events. Maybe he's only going to do the road courses. Yeah, he was doing testing at BIR. Why? I don't know, because the VIR and Watkins Quinn are not close to being the same track. Curious to see if he continues. I'd like to see him do some more. I'd like to see some other people. I mean, we saw this with Juan Pablo Montoya and a lot of other folks that transitioned over from other motorsports. I, I don't want it to come off like, well, I'm retired from the big stage, so let me go run NASCAR. It's a difficult thing that they do. Those cars are very... I don't want to use the word primitive and have it come off sounding negative or derogatory because it's not. Those cars are a handful. And we're going to learn about that more in an episode later on in the season where we talk to some folks about late models and what they're like to drive and how they're set up. They take some bravery. They take some strength to drive. It's a lot different than the super computerized jet fighters of like a Formula One car. So there is an adjustment there, but I like to see people move around. Some folks retire and choose other disciplines and it doesn't work out. 
Kimmy's still got a lot of life ahead of him as a driver. So who knows, maybe he'll end up in the uh, SRO or IMSA paddock one day. You know, we'll get to see him out in a touring car or GT car. And just out of curiosity, what is the connection to General Motors? He drives a Camaro. Okay. That isn't a Camaro, but it's got a Chevy engine. Does it have a Chevy engine or a Gibson engine? Well, that's still a Chevy at the end of the day, right? Maybe. Sort of. In spirit? Yes, kind of, sort of. <laughs> Meanwhile, Porsche has revealed its first details about its buy-in of the Red Bull Formula One team. Since you two are there, our resident Formula One experts, how do you feel about this? Hmm. Sorry, go ahead, Brad. Great. Yeah, good job. Go team. The yawn explains everything. My biggest question is, like we've been saying for a while, is it going to be a Porsche? There was all that back and forth about Volkswagen supplying the MGUs, the new power plants and and this and that. Now we're not hearing that, but it's going to be an Audi. Okay, well, we've seen how that plays out. It's a Volkswagen product that they put a different badge on and we'll go that way and make everybody believe that that's the truth. The question is, is the first Porsche F1 car in 2026 really going to be a Porsche Isn't it all badge engineering at this point? It's all just advertising. Porsche's paying to put their name on somebody else's Formula One car. Sort of like the LMDH cars too, right? Where the chassis are being built by Dallara and they're being built by Oreca and whoever, and then people are slapping their badges on them and maybe supplying the power plant. So maybe that's the way of the future. Although for Porsche, it just seems out of character for them not to build a car from the ground up. I I don't like that. I'd rather see them be car, motor, chassis, everything them than like, okay, I bought into 50% Red Bull, slap some Porsche stickers on the side, run a Honda motor. Exactly. They're doing the same thing that Aston Martin did, I think, with the now Aston Martin team, formerly Force India. It's all cost cutting. The, The bean counters and accountants have gotten in the ear of the executives and saying, yes, this is great. This will be wonderful for us, except we don't want to spend any money to do it. So make it happen. But without further ado, I need to turn to my subject matter experts in the worlds of open car racing, especially Formula One. Let's talk about what happened in August. Nothing, because they've basically been on holiday. Well, there's one thing we can talk about. What's that? Daniel Ricciardo is losing his racing seat for next year. Oh, are you sad? I'm a little sad. He hasn't really done much. He's fell pretty hard from grace after leaving Red Bull. And he's had a string of really bad and unlucky years. I don't know what is next for him, but apparently McLaren is buying out the rest of his contract. And it's a sad day for you as a Danny Rick fan. Yep. So we will see if he ends up racing maybe we'll see him over in sro somewhere well he may go wherever vettel's going vettel's retiring he's going biking and all the stuff that vettel does buying old formula cars like nigel mansell's right yeah so that's two drivers out vettel's out danny rick's out well there was drama around fernando just out of the blue announced that he was leaving his race seat and jumping who did he jump over to aston martin joke there being that you know stroll's daddy bought him his seat and then metal retires he thinks he's going to be the number one driver and all of a sudden fernando's in the seat (laughs) (laughs) a lot of shuffling going around there was a lot of drama around this piastri guy and alpine made an announcement that he was going to take the seat and then two seconds later he's like i never said that blah 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 so who knows yeah but now piastri is actually going to mclaren i stopped following after the initial drama (laughs) never mind mclaren hopes to replace ricardo with reigning formula 2 champion piastri Piastri has been in the middle of a tug of war between Alpine and McLaren, and his future will be decided by the FIA's Contract Recognition Board. 
next week because I guess he maybe had a verbal commitment to Alpine. Nothing was really set in stone. And then he really wants to go to McLaren instead of Alpine. I don't know. Yeah. It's all fodder for Drive to Survive. So what isn't fodder is what we alluded to earlier about all the Porsche stuff. We're not sure if it's going to be a Honda powered Porsche or whatnot, but the FIA has approved the wording for the new regs when the new cars come out in 2026. Basically the bluff, the bottom line up front is that the MGUH, the power plant that Volkswagen was going to supply, has been dropped and the FIA is pushing for what they're saying is, quote, fully sustainable fuels. The MGUH was supposed to be Volkswagen Porsche Audi's way into Formula One. Obviously, they're still coming, as we noted earlier. What I think is happening is, you know, these, quote unquote, fully sustainable fuels might be a nod to Porsche's synthetic fuel that they've been developing. And so maybe there's something going on there. That's complete speculation. That's just my opinion. Why we would do such a drastic shift from replacing the engines to going back to let's find a different fuel source and keep the ice motors in Formula One. I thought that was interesting, but we're not going to see what that turns into for a couple more years. Apparently the next Call of Duty update is going to have one of the zones be the Singapore Grand Prix track as a battlefield. And so you'll be fighting across the streets while Formula One cars are driving around. Uh, why? I don't know why actually and didn't look into it because I didn't care. But I, my question is, can you shoot the Formula One cars? So does that secure a win for Haas if you blow up everybody else? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of hossholes, there was a video that is going around that has led me to the conclusion that I don't need to watch Drive to Survive. I just need to watch more of these mid-season recaps by this YouTuber. This is the funniest stuff I have ever seen. It's like a one-man video, but he plays the role of all the different drivers and their affects and their accents and some of the team owners like Christian Horner and, and all those guys. I mean, it was unbelievably funny. I bought busted out laughing when he's making fun of the Ferraris and he's like my car is on fire my car is on fire like all this stuff and the whole Gene Haas thing no he's hilarious I think he usually puts out a video after every race yeah unbelievable this is the first time I've seen this and it was just I was in tears it was so good we're gonna post that in the show notes for anybody who doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about I don't want to spoil it you definitely got to check it out and you can search for him on YouTube Connor Moore and I believe he does more impressions than just F1 racers too so he's got some other different kind of videos out there meanwhile in the czech republic but wait what at first i was like this is so dumb and then i watched the video and i was like this is sort of badass <laughs> i think it's super awesome we don't talk about the czech republic can you find it on a map what's the best-selling car in the czech republic an f2 car oh what what apparently a gp2 former delara formula one car <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, what happened? Apparently he has one, and apparently he wow. takes it onto the highway and nice. cruises at, a, at the speed limit, not doing anything crazy, and somebody was well, videoing he, him. He did do a pull. Well, he did a pull when, yeah, when pull. the CHR got out of his way, but the person videoing him was keeping up, so what were they driving? Another GP2 
Formula car, apparently. The car sounds amazing. It, it does. looks amazing. Oh my god, this guy's living his best life, and I I want to be him. It's sort of like the Cart Vader videos that came out a while back. If anybody remembers, I think they're on E Bombs World, where that French guy goes out in the middle of the night with his shifter cart and starts driving through Paris and you know blasting people down the highway at hundred miles an hour. We always say that cars are meant to be driven. Thumbs up to this guy, right? Granted. Take it to the racetrack. Nah, dude. Take it to the the Walmart. (laughs) It sounded like this is not necessarily the first time he's done this either. Or at least there's somebody else who has done this as well. Yeah, I want to know why there are so many of these decommissioned formula cars. How do we get them? Yes, how how do we get them? I like the last line of the article, though. It may be the only time you ever see an open wheel race car and a second generation new beetle in the same place. <laughs> and then I had to go back and look at the photo. I was like, damn, you're right, son. There is a beetle there. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, you were just talking about Porsche before Lamborghini. So speaking of them, you know, there was a whole big hoo-ha thing about Porsche in F1 and Audi in F1 and and Porsche suddenly was in talks with Red Bull, stick their label on the side of the car, I guess. Put your left foot in and your right right foot foot out, out, you know. (laughs) We're doing the hokey pokey. Yeah, that's where we left it. That's exactly where we are. The music stopped. Porsche fell out of the seat. Duck, duck, goose. Didn't work. Got the duck reference again. There it is. There's no hope for a Porsche F1 team. Is that what you're saying? They wanted to do, I think, like 50-50. And that was 49 too much, I think, for Red Bull. Whatever it was, it was like, it was too much. Corner was not willing to give up that. So they kicked them to the curb, essentially. So no deal. TBD, what happens? Do they go after somebody else now? I don't know. I haven't heard. I haven't looked. I know we'll talk about it later, but I hear AlphaTauri's up for sale. So who knows? Maybe they'll slap Porsche stickers on that car. We'll be confused just as where we're going to be before Honda-powered Formula One car by Porsche. Whatever. (laughs) But more on that later. So what's going on in the open wheel Formula One community, Tanya? I know without Brad here, this is all you. Oh man, a whole bunch of stuff like, you know, Ferrari being Ferrari. (laughs) (laughs) So they blew up and caught on fire? (laughs) No, but you know, looking great and qualifying, getting pole positions and then just going home on race day. (laughs) It's disappointing, but it's becoming quite comical. The memes are getting good. So yeah, not much goodness to report on Ferrari, but a lot of just turnover and driver changes. And the most interesting thing of the last race, which is also quite comical, was Albon, very last minute, ended up out of the race with appendicitis. So he wasn't feeling great and then ended up having to go get surgery last minute. And it was like a whole thing. Like he he like reacted badly coming out of the anesthesia too. And like, but he's okay. He's okay. He's good. But they put the reserve driver in, Mr. Nick DeVries, I think his name is. And like, he got like a top 10 finish. His teammate, he's so much better than like... I don't see Latifi having a seat because this guy just got the first points. <laughs> like, how bad is it that you're like 21 out of 20 drivers and points because your reserve driver came in? <laughs> he had a resume. He did a job interview and he passed that job interview. Like if he doesn't get probably a seat having shown that based on his performance, I, I mean, that's, I don't know who's in charge. So is that why Herta lost his seat? Because now they got to put this guy out there? 
I don't know. The whole the whole herd of thing is all the drama around the, the super license and he doesn't have enough points because he hasn't done enough races and Indy and this, that, and the other. And, you know, the whole scary thing, if they make an exception for him, then it opens the floodgates yeah. to all these other people. But then I think I saw an article that was like, well, then like Kimmy and even Verstappen should never have gotten their license or something. And I didn't follow into that. So I don't know the whole story behind it. For what it is right now, her does not moving in yet because they're sticking to their license rules. But there are other movements with Ricardo getting kicked out. Yikes. And then they finally, that whole will he, won't he, do they, don't they with Piastri and that he was with Alpine and then he's not. Uh, apparently he's being signed now to McLaren officially. So there's a bunch of vehicle driver changes unfortunately schumacher is no longer i guess on the ferrari team anymore so i guess they're not pleased with his haas performance unfortunately so he will no longer be part of the ferrari driving team well they can't afford to replace cars after every race well you know what the last several races he hasn't really had any incidents he hasn't put them in the wall or anything like that so he's he's been finishing so you know that's good he's got big shoes to fill and that's unfortunate carrying that last name and the heritage and thinking that he's going to jump into the ferrari and suddenly he's going to be his dad i mean i hate to say it that way but there's only one Michael Schumacher. It's tough. Who knows? He needs more seat time like we all do, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's the recipe for success is more seat time. The question is, where does he get his seat time? Does he walk away from Formula One for a while and go to IMSA or go to WEC, go run prototypes or, or indie cars, come to the States, get some more experience? I know that F1 is the top of the totem pole, but a lot of these guys have experience from other places and then they adventured out afterwards look at Juan Pablo Montoya look at Alonso you know trying to go for the triple crown and, and all that kind of stuff there's other opportunities there's been plenty of people that left F1 take Olivier Panis he ran for pros he was a basically a backmarker way back in the day he went to touring car and he kicked butt like he found his discipline, right? And maybe uh, Schumacher needs to do the same thing. I don't know. I was wondering, Vettel's retired, they're friends. Maybe he could become more of a coach or a mentor for time world champion himself, Sebastian Vettel. So maybe there's something he, I think he's already probably to some extent been working with Schumacher, but maybe there's something more there he could do if, if there is a path or or anything for him to be as a sliver as great as his father, right? That's very true. And I think the last bit of hokey pokey that's been going on in the open wheel world has to do with Alex Palou, right? There was a whole thing about he was leaving IndyCar to go to McLaren, same kind of things like Colin Herta. And now we're talking about it. He's sticking with Chip Ganassi after all of that stuff. So, okay, fine, whatever. Hmm. It's always like this, this time of the year, right? What does the next season look like? You know, if it isn't the new cars that are coming out, we all get excited about that it's the drama of the drivers changing teams the bigger question is and maybe for sarah is how's it all going to play out and drive to survive i don't know i'm dying to watch this next season to see the other perspective of what i'm watching right now it's crazy i don't know i when we were talking about schumacher i didn't realize that he'd been let go so i'm kind of processing that information as we speak there's going to be a lot to catch up on it's going to be all off track drama It's not going to be on-track drama for this coming season. So much movement. So much movement. All the on-track drama will be making fun of Ferrari, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I think so. I think so. Sorry, guys. 
Sorry. And since we're bringing that up and, and to talk a little bit about what we talked about on your episode, you became a Formula One fan as a result of Drive to Survive. No, you're absolutely right. And I will admit it freely all day long. I love it. It's been kind of a gateway for me to start watching and learning about other races too. So one of the women I work with, our associate editor, Shannon McBride, or Shannon Scott, sorry, she just got married. Shannon Scott, she's a big IndyCar person. And so we published an article about watching an IndyCar race for your first time. And she provided her perspective along with one of our newbie writers. And so, you know, we're all kind of getting excited about that, even though it's the tail end of the season. But in any case, it's like figuring out, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to maybe go see some races this coming year? Because it would be really fun to put all those pieces together in person. I'm really excited about that. And speaking of that, there was an article that gives you no information that the Las Vegas Grand Prix is planning, quote, affordable zone of tickets. Whatever that means. Whatever what does that, that mean. mean. <laughs> affordable for who? So if you're interested in Formula One at Las Vegas, keep your eyes out for these affordable price seats. I wonder that myself. And I also wonder which high rise casino is really the one to get a room at and just watch it from there with the TV on to get mm. full coverage and then looking out over your balcony to see the race and hearing the race live. I think that's really the strategy. Forego buying the F1 tickets and sitting in the grandstands. Get yourself a room at the Bellagio or the Good Venetian. Luck. It's the Las Vegas version of the yacht in the Monaco Harbor. Correct. Yeah, I like that. Which you needed to reserve your your hotel room then three years ago. It's okay. Le Mans is way cooler. But what else is wrapping up is the open wheel and Formula One season. So why don't we jump into that as our showcase for the first time in 27 episodes. Let's kick it off with Formula One. There's only four races left. One coming up this weekend that will have happened before the drive through airs. We do not know the recap on that as of yet. Who will take first place? It's Lewis Max Hamilton's Verstappen wins. <laughs> favorite track, but he did not win there last year for the first time in forever. I heard that Mercedes was doing some changes to their front wing. Sounded like to help with turn in. So maybe he'll stand a chance. Likely not. So can we just make predictions for this race that has already happened when this airs? I'm going to say that Verstappen wins, followed by Leclerc, followed by Verstappen's teammate. Sergio. Sergio. Yeah, Checo. Followed by Sainz. Followed by Hamilton. Sainz is going to crash out and end up in like last. But isn't Coda just like Monaco? You end where you qualify unless you screw up. No, there's plenty of passing opportunities at Coda. For the back markers. Mercedes has been so far ahead of the pack, but this is a different year. Maybe Hamilton didn't do so well at Coda last year because just like this year, he has to explain his latest jewelry investigation. Jewelry investigation? Tell us more. I think it has something to do with his nose stud and he had to leave it in place 
because he was having an infection of some sort. Hadn't they already got on his case about wearing jewelry during the races, like earrings, he already, you know, the nose ring and everything like that? Like, they're very much against it. I'm like, because it's safety, we'll use that excuse, fine, whatever. I mean, as long as it fits in your helmet, it doesn't obscure your vision or whatever. It isn't ripping into the flame retardant material of the helmet. Why do you care? But it, I mean, if he's having issues, take the damn thing out. I don't know what to say. Is this like the women that go to an office environment and they've got a nose ring? So they got a, a piece of a Band-Aid over it because they can't take it out? Well, apparently he had it like soldered in. So it was like permanent stud. Mm-hmm. So he couldn't take it out. And so they gave him exceptions and then he took it out because of the rules and then he got an infection. So he had to put it back in. And I guess that's where like the newest debacle is. Well, he soldered it in. So he had to use a Dremel to get it out. So of course he had an infection. (laughs) He had to have somebody on the team Dremel it out because he couldn't do it himself. Can you imagine? (laughs) I don't know like how you do that anyway. I got to say these jewelry rules are stupid and they're all over the place in sports. The Yankees has nothing to do with Formula One, obviously, but they have all kinds of weird dress code rules as well. I don't know if they changed them recently because I haven't been keeping up, but they used to have one where nobody on the team could have a beard or any facial hair whatsoever. I think they allowed mustaches at some point, but yeah, and, and no jewelry. I mean, very few people were allowed to wear jewelry and stuff. It's, I think those rules are stupid. That mustache rule is hilarious because all the baseball players look like 70s porn stars. I mean, it's, they're terrible. Yeah, okay, my piazza. <laughs> <laughs> I, could, I can understand those rules in a sport that could have potential contact between people because that could be a source of injury like yes baseball is not a contact sport however players sliding into bases there's potential to contact somebody else you could have an injury that way a tear off of jewelry or scratch somebody so i could get that rule the nose stud in your nose inside your helmet if the crash is so bad that your helmet is compromised to such an extent that the nose ring becomes a problem, it doesn't matter anymore. You're dead. <laughs> it was a very high problem. I mean, am I missing something? Can your family recover the nose stud and sell it for millions? You know, I could understand like a rule that's like, don't wear rings because why would you honestly? Because your hands can swell or do whatever when you're doing physical sports like that or a situation of you know i don't know something happening and and your finger getting smashed and the ring cutting off your finger or something like that or same thing with a a necklace chain even though that should be tucked into your suit not a big deal but heaven forbid it got snagged somehow on something and i don't know chokes you but your nose stud i don't know earrings if you had an earring like again if your helmet's that far compromised you're not giving him an f1 about your nose ring in this picture he's got his airpods in does he wear them when he's racing too is he out there listening to like jay-z and oz or where whatever the hell lose him well they all have an earpiece right well he's definitely not listening to the team the, the joke is that he's listening to music or something and not paying attention to them but you know who never had to worry about any of this in his 60 plus years of racing mario Formula One champion, 1978, Mario Andretti. And he made some news in Formula One this month. He got back in to the seat of a Formula One car, a modern 
Formula One car. Modern-ish. It was a pre-four-cylinder turbo McLaren thing. It was. It sounded amazing. It sounded good, yeah. What was it, a 2013? Yeah, yeah. The 2013 McLaren, and he got to drive it around Laguna Seca. I don't know how many laps he got. From the video I watched, it's only about five minutes. He did at least three, and his yeah, first lap, I was, I was like, oh, man, he's driving like he's going to Kmart or something. And then he, he was <laughs> he was actually doing the right thing. He was hitting all his apexes. Mm-hmm. He let it warm up. And by that third lap, I was like, for an 82-year-old, he is booking. I mean, you mm-hmm. heard him going into the turns, downshifting, get right back on it. I was like, dude, he's still got it. And you yeah. watched his lines, and they were super clean. And I was like, man, you go. That's awesome. We need another 80-year-old driver out there competing against him. That's called VRG. <laughs> <laughs> You need like the League of Legends or something. International Race of Champions. Yeah, I rock. <laughs> yeah, whoever's still around, they need their own series. <laughs> the G series, geriatric. I mean, NASCAR's got most of the senior citizen sponsors on their cars anyway. Cialis, Viagra, AARP. I mean, what's the difference, right? The Silver Fox series. <laughs> you know, we talked about this last month. You guys brought up the whole thing about Colton Herta and his super license and all that. And you know what? Somebody followed up on exactly what you guys were talking about, that there were other drivers that would have been rejected under these F1 super license rules, and they brought up eight of them. The new super license rule, which this rule came into effect with Max Verstappen's move into super license in 2015. So he was the reason why they even instituted this rule. So basically himself or a lot of people before him not have qualified for their super licenses into F1. And the eight drivers in reverse order. Oh, it's a Letterman list. Let's go. Number eight, Alonzo. Really? Number seven, Damon Hill. Whoa. Number six, Alan Jones. Who the hell is he? (laughs) (laughs) Jensen Button at number five. Number four, Nigel Mansell. Wow. That's impressive. Can you imagine us missing the great Nigel Mansell? Number three, the Iceman. Jimmy Raikkonen. Really? Because apparently he had like three days of racing (laughs) or something (laughs) ridiculous. It wasn't three, but he didn't have very many races under his belt. Number two. This one surprises the hell out of me. Nikki Lauda. Really? Because essentially he bought his way through (laughs) (laughs) F2 and into F1. (laughs) The good old days. And then number one, Mr. Max Verstappen himself. Who brought this rule? That's an interesting list of folks. The history books would be a lot different if this rule was in place. So that's what I'm getting at. Why does this have to be so complicated? If you want to buy your way in, you can afford to run on a Formula One team? No, because Mazapan is the reason why they don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) He might spin. Isn't that that how you pronounce it? Mazaspin? I feel like this is just another barrier of entry. Exactly. People that don't look like the rest of the people that are already on the F1 grid. It's just another barrier of entry in in a long list of other barriers of entry to to prevent people, like women, people of color and things like that from getting access and having an opportunity. Americans in general. Yeah, having an opportunity to race on, you know, open wheels, biggest stage. It's kind of sad. They talk about, you know, Mario, the American F1 winner and all that. And I'm not discrediting any of his wins because they're all legitimate, his championship and everything. But he was a naturalized American. 
dual citizenship or whatever since what scott speed was the last one that really tried and that didn't go anywhere michael tried that didn't go anywhere there was always like something in the way to get an american f1 driver out there and it's like this colton herta thing is just again they're playing these games to your point we don't want the americans here and i don't understand why do we not have the talent it's like they're redlining just to circle back to give credit to Mr. Alan Jones, in case anyone is wondering who he is. He was a one-time world champion from 1980 Australian drivers. This is why I don't know him. <laughs> okay. He's like that guy who played one Bond film. Laserbeam. He was awesome. And he was yeah. also from Australia. <laughs> it's an Australian. He was a Williams driver, in case anyone else wanted more fun facts. I don't believe that a Williams car won. <laughs> They used to be something. Back in the day, yeah. They definitely were. Oh, they're still something. (laughs) I hear that imitation is the most sincere form of flattery. So AlphaTauri is trying to be Ferrari now? Whatever. Their car had a little flame incident in pit lane during, I think, Singapore Grand Prix. Next. At least they were in pit lane. Ah, but everyone is right there. And as we were about to roll him back out of pit lane, and then whoosh. <laughs> Whoops. Anticlimactic. And the Singapore race was actually quite interesting. Not really. Yes, no. It's a city court. It's a city track, right? So it's mm-hmm. a street course, very tight. Essentially, it's follow the leader. So the position you started in was all basically the position you ended in so sergio took the early lead right off the line and that's where the race ended with sergio checo perez coming in first followed by a two three ferrari finish there was some interesting whoopses and almost misses throughout that race uncharacteristic lockup by lewis which totally shunted his chance at pressuring into third place verstappen had terrible grid position i forget i don't know what penalties he got that he ended up like eighth when he started and then obviously didn't break back into the top three because it's a really hard track to pass people on. And, you know, that was that race. And then we had Suzuka, which was a cluster. I watched the first couple laps. And then it stopped for two hours. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was... Yeah. Wait, 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 what? I had to go... I had, I had other things to do. I had grocery shopping and kid detail. Yes, yeah, so it was like a nine-hour race, and eight and a half of those hours was not doing anything. That's an exaggeration. So it started, it was raining, and under the glorious judgment of I don't know who, everyone started on inters, on intermediate tires. I was very confused by this when I saw the lineup of the names and everyone had the inter tires next to their name. It is actively raining. Why are you not going out on wets? And it's not even like the radar was like, oh, well, in the next five minutes, it's going to stop raining. So, you know, I don't want to be on wets. No, no, no. It was like actively raining and going to be actively raining for like the next several hours and everybody went out on inters. What happened? Partway through lap one, Carlos' rear end broke loose and he crashed. Then somebody else had like a a failure and ended up red flagging the race basically on lap two. And then they sat there for like two hours not doing anything, waiting for the rain to subside. And then when they finally decided to go back out, everybody put wets on. It wasn't raining. So then what happens? Two, three laps later, they're all freaking coming in and switching back to inters because the wets are terrible because it's not actively raining. How many pit (laughs) incidents were there? There were, there were a few. P2 
people were like leaving the pit lane side by side yeah. and all this crazy stuff and somebody touched somebody else in the pit too i mean it was it was complete pandemonium that's butt slaps right i mean there's yeah i mean there was a whole thing and and like gasly it was whole, like, kind of funny see he was so pissed because when carlos wrecked they red flagged but they moved the recovery crane out onto the track there was so much road spray you could not see a single thing so people got very upset because the same thing happened on suzuka a number of years ago jules bianchi ended up dying because it was wet rain conditions there was a crane out attending to another car he ended up losing control right near the crane and he went at like however many million miles an hour into the crane and he ended up coma blah blah months later he's come to those injuries and died they did the exact same thing zero visibility there was a crane out on the track these drivers didn't even know gasly was like super pissed when he came in because he drove right by it however later got like a huge penalty because he was speeding under red flag but there's like a whole thing that like it hadn't come through yet on like their little steering wheel that there was a red flag so like he didn't slow down the whole race was a cluster <laughs> Verstappen won. Leclerc came in second. Sergio came in third. Leclerc ends up in third because he bombed through the last corners, cutting them, biking line, and ended up getting a five second penalty. Brilliant. Verstappen was declared two time world champion at this race. Yeah. So the, the rest of the season is kind of moot. It's the rest of the season is now who's going to get second place. <laughs> So who is going to get second place? Do we have any psychic? They're still trying to figure out the constructor championship as well. Right. Comes down to Ferrari powered or not Ferrari powered, right? I mean, that's how Formula One is right now. No, because Red Bull is pretty much going to win. Who are their engines by? Honda. Honda. It it was still Honda. Yeah. They don't have their engines yet, right? They claim to have their or their own powertrain. I can't keep track of those people. It's not a Ferrari or Mercedes powertrain now. But they were, right? That's where I'm all lost. No, they, they were Renault and then they switched to honda and then i think honda pulled out yeah it's still it's still honda oh it is still honda there's still honda until the motor power unit swap in 2026 which is when audi is coming into the playing field because unlike the whole porsche thing they've committed to build power units starting 2026 committed in so far as they're like we're gonna start winning races within three years they're already throwing down the gauntlet something about how they're working with the current alfa romeo team so this goes back to the same question is it audi's chassis alpha slash ferrari power plant with some stickers like what are we doing here but you're saying they're going to build their own motor so then it's not the alfa romeo team they're just taking over the alfa romeo engineering and management and all that stuff they're replacing the alpha team they have a 75 percent buyout deal with sauber who owns alpha they're supposed to be building power units now car that they unveiled in august already which is very nice looking (laughs) very nice is audi audi rings all over it audi colors it reminds me of the dakar e-tron thing that they made it's like the same style it's got those same grays branding yeah exactly branding smart i mean the porsche one didn't look like a porsche that's for sure it looked like something else with stickers on it. This, to your point, looks like what we expect from an Audi race car. Now, I still hearken back to the ALMS days of the R8s with the silver and the little color on their nose and all that kind of thing. But this is their new thing for, you know, the 2020s is this this multicolor grays and blacks and red. And it definitely sticks out. It's definitely pretty cool. But we got to wait a couple more years, right? Before they even hit the stage. They're not going to have cars until 24. Is that right? They can't do anything until 2026 because... 
for now, what they've been saying is they're going to supply the power unit. And in fact, I thought there was something to the effect that they've got a unit that will be ready even later this year or next year for testing. So they're definitely doing something with power units. I don't think they can do anything earlier than 26 because they're going to have to be adhering to whatever the new rules are. And then it's TBD in the future if they're forced to share power units. So maybe there could be Williams running Audi power plants. Don't know. So the bigger question is, what does this mean for Porsche? Because you know what happens. Wherever VW and Audi go, Porsche soon follows. So are they going to come and swoop in and say, that's great. Thanks for designing that car. And then they're going to slap their stickers on it and claim that they made the engine and all this stuff. The way I see it is it's a four-cylinder power plant or whatever it is now. So they're going to go grab a two-liter turbo out of an A4, modify the hell out of it, and uh, we're going to go to F1. Well, the whole thing was they were going to do their separate things, right? They wanted to have both teams out there. And then the whole Porsche Red Bull thing fizzled out. So now Porsche is basically screwed, sort of. But they're still like, I want to play at the party. Let me in. So they're still dancing around in the background. And the question now is, do they still buy into another team? Partner with the Williams? Andretti? Something happened there and they go with Andretti? I just don't understand how Volkswagen can afford to run two full teams. It doesn't make sense. Like, why wouldn't they just do Porsche and v- and Audi together? Maybe run two cars on the same team instead of two Audis, just a Porsche and an Audi under the same management. I mean, the cars aren't going to be that different at the end of the day, because let's face it, who's building the chassis? Is it Audi's chassis? Is it Delara? Somebody else, right? You get into that game, which we talked about before, even when Porsche came to the table, it was whoever's chassis with a honda motor with the porsche badge on it and and so it's not they're not building these cars from scratch so it's sort of like why field two teams of two cars they're doubling down more advertising for them i guess but they're competing against themselves it's it's silly that's what they always do but i mean it's it's (laughs) supposed to be a team team though it's shake and bake it's not just shake and shake that's not how it works (laughs) It's not you twice baked. Shake it and then you bake it. No, it's not. It's, it's not, not bacon baked, baked twice baked. No, it's not bacon baked. Just triple. You know baked. who's sitting around going team team? There's no I in team. Danny Rick because he's not on anybody's team. Womp womp womp. What a fall from not even grace. I don't know what is. But he had a huge misstep when he left Red Bull. Red Bull basically, yeah. I mean, he's your boy. Come on, it's Danny Rick. Yeah, I, something's going on. He's just not the same driver he used to be. That kind of answers the question: Was it the car or was it him? It's obviously the car. That cowboy hat that he's been sporting over the last week. What is going on? Is he a rodeo dude now? Like, what is he doing? That's his shtick to be funny and lighthearted and humorous wherever he goes. And I think yeah. he just loves Texas. So he now got to put that cowboy hat on. He's very much like Richard Hammond. He is a closet American. Drives a Mustang, goes to cars and coffee, runs over a bunch of people. And yeah, that's why he doesn't drive an F1 anymore. I thought you would be more heartbroken about this, Brad. I know there are people out there that are just devastated that Danny Rick isn't going to be I, on the last I, I am I am disappointed because I think there are other drivers that deserve to go versus him. But for instance, I think Lance Stroll doesn't deserve a place on the grid. I think Danny Rick does, but 
Danny Rick doesn't have the deep pockets that Stroll does, yeah. and his daddy doesn't own the team. He is actually in a great spot right now that he won't be tethered to Formula One if he turns his eyes the right way next year with GTP and Le Mans and WEC. Do like Alonso did. Get yourself into an LMP car. Get your crown somewhere else, right? And maybe he's better suited to sports car and prototype racing. We shouldn't really feel bad for Danny Rick. If he's doing the right things, he's looking for another seat in another discipline. He's got a shit ton of money. I don't feel bad for him. Yeah, I would totally go to Daytona and watch him race in the 24-hour. At the Rolex, 100%. Yeah. Yes, I would do that. Or he could go to WRC and nobody else would ever see him race again. (laughs) (laughs) League of Legends. The other big news, the other person who's leaving, which is going to break many hearts and crush many souls, is the one, the only, Gotifi. Who? Gotifi. The goat. Hamilton's out? No, Latifi. Uh... Gotifi. Latifi. They kicked his ass out. She made a funny. Oh, oh. This is what I get for not watching Drive to Survive. Yeah. He doesn't pay attention to F1, so he doesn't know that Latifi is called Gotifi as a joke, that he's the goat at sucking. (laughs) 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 So finally, Williams made a smart move. And they're kicking him to the curb. And I believe Nick DeRise, who had the most awesome job interview a couple races ago when he sat in for Alex Albon's appendicitis emergency procedure and actually scored points for like first time in a while for Williams. Um, I think he got the seat. Yeah. Good job. And he was the test driver, right? Is what you told me. Something like that. And then he was reserved. So they put him in the seat and uh, he did very well for first time actually out there competing. So he will be on a full-time seat. Awesome. Good for him. Congratulations. Meanwhile, I think there's news from Haas. They have a new sponsor. What? Is it Rich Energy again? Bang Energy is going (laughs) (laughs) on. No, they've signed on with MoneyGram. They're still around? Yeah. Oh, wow. I thought they went out of business like a decade ago. Like who? MoneyGram? I think it's a lot bigger in other countries, like Rich Energy was. Oh, because we got to wire the money to the Nigerian prince, so you still need MoneyGram. I understand. Because the banks won't let you wire funds to people on the OFAC list, but MoneyGram may. (laughs) Or Formula One teams. That's how worth they're paying for it. No, no, you're thinking of Force India. (laughs) Good for Haas. Good for Haas. Because since he might spin's dad pulled all his money out, they got to get sponsorship from somewhere. Unless Mazaspin's dad is involved in MoneyGram and maybe it's this back door. We're we're funneling money around somehow, you know? Again, MoneyGram is still a thing. Seriously? MoneyGram is headquartered in Dallas, Texas. What? That's unbelievable. But in a world of Venmo and PayPal and InstaFunds and Cash App and people still use MoneyGram. I mean, I'm I'm hung up on this. I'm going to be thinking about this the whole episode. Wait, this is, so MoneyGram. Okay, so this makes sense now. MoneyGram does the uh, money orders. No, the post office does the money orders. No, no, no. You can go into 7-Eleven and buy like a MoneyGram money order, I believe. My mind is melting. There are a lot of people out there that don't have checking accounts or can't have checking accounts. So they do everything through money order. And who do you get your money orders from? MoneyGram. Congratulations to Haas. They have a sponsor. I've got one more question though. When does the MoneyGram book come out? So everybody's picking up the, so the rich energy book. So when are we going to get a MoneyGram book? I got to email Elizabeth and find out. They got like a, a, a three book deal, right? The next three hot sponsors. 
Yeah, it's going to be the Rich Energy, MoneyGram, and AOL. (laughs) There's a trilogy. I still have an AOL CD on my desk. I use it as a coaster. My girls asked me the other day, what is that thing with the little yellow man on it? I'm like, it was a weird conversation, let me tell you. These used to come in the mail. All the CD. (laughs) So do the MoneyGrams come in the mail. There's other news coming out of Haas. And I love this quote. I guess they decided to cut Mick Schumacher finally because he cost them a fortune. And he has wrecked a lot of cars that have cost us a lot of money. It was very profound. I mean, that's a Yogi Berra quality quote right there. Mick costs a fortune. He wrecked a lot of cars that have cost us a lot of money. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. (laughs) That's exactly what Mick Schumacher has been doing. He comes to a fork in the road and he takes it and he wrecks the car. And now he costs Gene Haas a ton of money. I think the problem is he doesn't take the fork in the road. He's taken straight down the middle of the fork where there's no road. <laughs> straight, straight down the fork. That's why Haas is using MoneyGram because Gene Haas is paying his people with money orders. <laughs> the check is in the mail, literally. It feels like the pot calling the kettle black. They have to blame somebody now that Mazaspin is gone. Felt like he was wrecking a car not only in free practice, free practice two, qualifying, and in the race. It was like every time he set foot in a car, it was either blowing up or wrecking or whatever. So it's like really, I mean, fine, I get it. You want to find a way to cut him loose. But the question is now, what's Mick Schumacher's future? And like I said last month, just like Danny Rick, I think he should go somewhere else and come back to Formula One. So at what point do we not blame the driver and start looking at the car? Mazepin, he bought his way in, whatever. But Schumacher, he actually did really well in F2. Didn't he win the championship in F2 before moving up to F1? But the F2 cars are totally different. They're like skippy cars, right? They're all the same. They're underpowered. I I don't think it's because he lacks skill, though. I mean, he probably drives better than most of us, but... (sighs) Well, that's not hard. (laughs) I mean, they're all super talented, right? Or they wouldn't be there to some extent. Except for the guy that got beat by the test driver. I mean, come on, seriously? Yeah, there's always an exception to every rule, but for the most part, like should be exceptional drivers because f1 is the pinnacle of racing right so it's like you hired everybody who was number one in their school in their class and then you put them all against each other well someone's not going to be number one anymore (laughs) so it's weird because it's like these are all top drivers but then clearly there's somebody who's coming in for a second third and someone who's coming in 18 19 20 or not at all (laughs) again i argue that there should be just like there is in wrc F1A and F1B, and there's a champion in the lower half and whatever, because if you divide the top 10 from the bottom 10, it's two totally different races. Okay, put Max Verstappen in the Haas car. Can he still be number one? Because clearly he's driving wise amazing, right? Or the Red Bull is just so far out of the league. But if you put him in the Haas car, if he can't finish better than whatever position, then it's like, okay, then it's a car problem, right? And they don't have the money to put into their car. Because they really didn't this year. Like everyone else has exceeded their budget caps or just at their budget cap. And like they haven't hit it yet. So it's like they're intentionally not spending money. So they're not making any improvements. So if you have got a shitty car. Didn't we already prove that with Hamilton? Once they changed the Mercedes, he's it's like 10th place all the time. He doesn't can't get out of his own way. So was it him or was it the car? So he went from GOAT to GOATIFI in one season, right? <laughs> because Russell, up until the last few races, was always top five finishing in a Mercedes. So how did they tune the cars different from each other? The same team, same Mercedes cars, but one is doing worse than the other. That was a criticism that 
Mazepin had and his father had of the Haas team last year was that Mick was getting the better car. That's like saying you're getting the better go-kart at the go-kart track. I get that. (laughs) I don't know. But I feel like Formula One has always been this way since the days of Lotus, where it's like cheat as much as you can until you get caught and then just kind of pull back. And so that's why you see these huge discrepancies and the changes, but the cars are all the same by regulation. I think that's BS. It can't be. You can see that they're not because the Red Bulls pull away and they pull away sometimes at staggering gaps to everyone else. And it's like, how? How is that possible? And I mean, one could say that that was the case for the Mercedes for years and years and years because it was like, you know, Hamilton's in the lead and nobody can touch the Mercedes and now suddenly nobody can touch the Red Bulls. It's unfortunate for Mick. You hate to see it because of his father. Not only is he out of the seat for Haas, but he's he no longer has that Ferrari seat either. Haas has a new sponsor, but do they have any drivers for next year? So another thing that they've said is <laughs> Gunther Steiner. It was either Gunther or Gene. I don't know which one it was, but someone from Haas has basically said they're done with rookies. They do not want to seat drivers anymore that are rookies. They want somebody with experience in their seats. They're, they don't want to train them. I believe Gunther said, we're fucking done with these fucking rookies. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. That's a, that's, that sounds that's about a right. Gunther quote. <laughs> That'll be on Drive to Survive next season. It's true. So it'll be interesting to see who they seat there. Danny Rick. Rick. Haas. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say I'm tired of F1 and F1 fanboys and girls saying F1 is the pinnacle of motorsport. It's the self-proclaimed pinnacle of motorsport. I don't think it's actually the pinnacle of motorsport. It's it's not the greatest motorsport in the history of the world. I'm tired of people saying that. Keep saying it. Multi-class endurance racing is the pinnacle of motorsport. And to your point about they should have F1A and F1B. So the F1 grid is essentially multi-class racing. (laughs) That's my point. (laughs) They're gold, silver, bronze level, right? Just like it is in sports car racing. (laughs) Silver Fox level. Just bring Mario Andretti back. They'll be much better off for it. He can run for Haas. no problems there. He'll run for the Andretti team. For those of you that actually pay attention to Formula E, it is reportedly ditching their fan boost option for the next season. There's Formula E. Are, <laughs> are they replacing fan boost with checkpoints from like Forza Horizon? No, do it like man, Nintendo. What was it? A rad Racer. So like yes. if you were missing the checkpoint, your car started slowing down, but you could like still coast through that checkpoint and then like, boom, the power is back on. <laughs> do it like that. Yes. Have Elon Musk at the button turning people's power off and on. You know, the other thing that's going away that got mentioned this month is Formula W. The women's version of Formula One is no longer going to happen. Going back to what we were talking about, multi-class formula racing, I was always against the idea of having something separate. Why, to your point, Brad, from earlier about all these gates and the super licensing and everything we talked about, when are we going to see the first female Formula One driver? I didn't think the series was ending. I thought the series was just ending early this year because they ran out of money. But that's it. They ran out of money. It's over. For the season, but it's not necessarily that they're not going to get money yet for next season, right? W Series is ending their 2022 season early to focus on fundraising for the 2023 season. So they're trying to raise funds for next year. You know how they do that? Money, Graham. When are we going to start seeing rich energy at W Series cars? When are we going to get our first Formula One female driver? Apparently we've had one before. Wait, we did? She's from Italy years ago. Really? Lella Lombardi. 
No woman has raced in a world championship F1 race since Leila Lombardi's 12th place finish in the 1976 Austrian Grand Prix, which ended her brief 17 Grand Prix spell across 1974 and 76. Still by far the longest racing career in F1 for any female driver. You learn something new every day. Look at that. She did better than any Haas driver. Maybe <laughs> they should look into her. Maybe Haas should go the W Series route. Bah humbug. All right, Brad and Tanya, here we are faced with the end of the Formula One season. So how did it finish up and who came in second? Who came in second? It was Leclerc. It was the king down in the last race, but Leclerc finally pulled it out against Perez. That is true. Since the last time we talked, how many races have there been? About three, starting with Austin? Four. Austin, Mexico, Brazil, and Yas Marina. Good night. It's like at the end of the fireworks show where they just throw everything together and give you the big finale. So I thought it was pretty funny if we go back and look at Austin. Apparently, the CEO of Apple technically waved a checkered flag at the USGP and nobody seemed to care. Nobody seemed to know who he was either. I watched the race and I swear the cameraman that kept showing Tim Cook had no idea that he was Tim Cook. There was one point where they showed Ed Sheeran. And they're like Ed Sheeran, musical artist or something like that. You're recording artists. If they even said Tim Cook on the screen, they didn't say who he was underneath. So yeah, didn't... So, so, yeah. So the, I think that second time they showed him, they actually found out who he was because someone was like, "Hey, you, you know that that's Tim Cook." And the guy, and then then the the Gen Z guy was like, "Yeah, whatever. Okay, I'll put it up there." But when he was standing next to Ed Sheeran, Ed Sheeran's like a god to Gen Zers. So. Ed Sheeran, recording artist. Just sitting in a room doing nothing. Tim Cook, meanwhile, waving a flag really poorly. No offense. Yeah, I was going to say, was it waving? Was the flag waving him or was he waving the flag? I think the flag was waving itself. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. I I sort of forgot Tim Cook was in charge of Apple. So I sort of feel for these people. Like, who is this random dude? Yeah. I think Apple fans forget that Tim Cook's in, in charge of Apple, too. Or they wish that he wasn't. Just like we all wish Elon Musk was in charge of nothing. <laughs> well, speaking of being in charge of things, I heard Haas was also protesting the Red Bulls and the Alpines. What was that all about? Oh, you know what it was? It was the incident where someone had their front wing was dangling and they didn't have to come in, whereas Magnuson like, had to do that twice the whole season. It sounds like a wine and cheese party to me. I mean, if Haas successfully protested does it make their finishing position any better yes instead of 10th they become 10th <laughs> they finished eighth yeah because williams is like permanent 10th spot so one could argue that maybe had he not had those penalties and then ended up last place maybe he could have gotten more points and they could have beaten aston martin and then, and then there's a lot of money on the line between the different constructor places too i mean there's millions of dollars on the line there right and for a team like haas I mean, they need all the money they can get. I mean, I don't know if it would have made a difference in the end. Like, I'm not going to go back and calculate (laughs) theoretical points, but. That sounds like something Eric would do if he watched F1. Not going to happen. Not going to do it. Speaking of which, you mentioned Magnuson. He apparently got the pole. That's because nobody else was doing laps. Oh, okay. And not the stripper pole, folks. They actually pull at the race. It's the Festivus pole. Pole for the sprint race, yes. And then afterwards, they had the, the feats of strength, and he lost during the sprint race. 
but the qualifying for the sprint race was like rain conditions. He went out first, so he had the driest laps, I think, before the rain started coming down further. Then everybody else came out, so the conditions weren't great. So, I mean, yeah. Does that actually count as pole, too? I mean, I, I haven't paid attention to what the statistics from the sprint race and the qualifying leading up to the sprint race actually mean, but does that mean he got pole? I mean, he had the fastest lap, so he was on pole. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that'll go down in the record books. Haas had a pole. As soon as this race actually started, though, it was like tick, 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 tick. He goes down the order because, of course, he's going to get passed by everybody. I mean, he did his best, but the car is slower than everybody else. But then during the actual race, because he still started in a good position because of the sprint race, but then Danny Rick wiped him out. Wiped them both out. I mean, what's he got to lose at this point? Well, he took a stupid late attempt in a turn. Ended up, I think, wheel to wheel. Magnuson spun in the middle of the track. Would have been okay had the traction not pulled the car off the track backwards. And so as he's getting sucked without any control backwards, Danny Rick was in the grass trying to go around him and then he just backed straight into him and sent him into the wall magnuson had his car destroyed mick is there swerving to avoid not t-boning him people are going everywhere and it was like lap like one two three i don't know it was really early so that was unfortunate when the press got a hold of this they were all like the first american team to get an f1 pulse in shadow in 76 and i literally said wtf in both ways Worst of first, and what the? <laughs> I had no idea. I'd forgotten about Shadow. That's that like dark period, the Middle Ages of Formula One, like seventy six. Like who's paying attention? Nobody from our generation, right? We all knew it, he wasn't gonna stay. In, like big deal, meh. It was questionable circumstances to get the pole, and there's no way they were gonna stay yeah, in the course. top ten at all. And the real news out of that race was a Mercedes one two finish boom the real news out of that race was debuting their new special usgp driving suits come on now. No, no 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 that race with magnuson on pole was brazil two races later ah <laughs> no we stopped talking about austin already i've lost track just we moved like on i always do haas on pole was not austin that was brazil oh my bad what about these rumors about audi and mick schumacher they could talk to whoever they want it's also Three, four years away. That's true. But that means that there's hope for Mick Schumacher, but he's still on the unemployment line. He'll end up somewhere for somebody's development squad or test driver or something like that. And I think that's exactly what we've been talking about is he needs more time, maybe in the testing group and instead of on the main stage, right? He's just got to get more seat time. He's just got to get more comfortable. And like some people have said before, come back to this with more experience and if you get used to driving a not so great car and you get into a good team then suddenly you're like a superhero there's hope for mick yet not danny rick though oh there's hope for danny rick he might be going to red bull yeah he's on the red bull reserve team when did that happen i don't know like a day ago like, yeah like one or two days ago uh, third where you been bro oh that's right you don't watch no i don't no i don't but more importantly Apparently there's a Midnight's album for Formula One. What is that? What is this? I don't get any of this stuff now. I feel totally like a dinosaur. It's not anything to do with Formula One. It was Formula One being cheeky, I guess, and hip because Taylor Swift's 10th album, Midnight's, 
debuted on October 21st, two days before the Austin USGP. And so Mercedes had fun playing with the album cover art by replacing her face with Hamilton and Russell and then Ferrari. Seeing them do it followed suit as well. All right. So the first place, Max Verstappen, that was pretty much locked in like eight races ago. Second place went to Leclerc. Since the last time we talked, did they really affect anybody else in the points race? Or was it sort of just the race to the end? Literally everybody other than Max. (laughs) Was it that close between everybody? Well, because for constructors titles and things like that, it was a big deal. How did it finish out? Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, Alpine, McLaren, Alfa Romeo, Aston, Haas, Alphatari, Williams. Wait, wait, Haas beat somebody? Haas beat two people. That's insane. Williams doesn't count. (laughs) (laughs) Now that we're at the end of a very long season, and there seems to be more races every year, and, and next year, you know, they're adding Vegas and all this other stuff to the schedule. In your guys' opinion, looking back over the season what are your thoughts what are the highs what are the lows what are you thinking going into next year i'm thinking mercedes is going to be more competitive next year certainly than they were this year and i think ferrari has a very long winter ahead of them because they had a lot of really dumb mistakes i can't think of a better term to use than they made a lot of dumb mistakes with their pit strategy with their just the team strategy period the cars had issues it was handed to them. Yes, they had to compete with Red Bull and Red Bull's, you know, the creme de la creme right now, but they had a chance and they kind of squandered it a little bit. They did end up in second for constructors, but still, I feel like they had a rough year, rougher than it should have actually been. They had a lot of promise. And then they lost their uh, their team principal. Their team principal, Bonotto, is gone. Is that a bad thing? <laughs> so are you guys hearing any other rumors? Are you thinking any other driver changes? Do you think the rest of the field will be locked up for the next season outside of Danny Rick not having a seat, Mick Schumacher's out? Obviously, they're going to fill those. Either They've already with- filled those seats. Yeah. Nico Hulkenberg is taking the Haas seat, which is funny because he's going to be driving next to Magnuson, who they've had some words in the past. Yes, they have. <laughs> but they <laughs> yeah, buried that, that. They buried that hatchet. They've said yeah, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. Of, of course they did, because they had to. <laughs> yes. When they saw the numbers on their contract, they buried <laughs> the hatchet. Same as when Senna and Prost were on the same team. It, it, we saw how that worked out. <laughs> we have, I believe, it's Logan Sargent, USA oh, driver. Yeah. He's going to replace Gotifi from Williams, right? And Nick yes. DeVries is going to AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri or? Because uh, Al- Alonzo's moving out of Alpine to Aston Martin. To retirement. So he's he's taking Vettel's seat. Why is Alonzo still driving? Like, wasn't he done? He actually did pretty good this year. Alpine he's... came in fourth. Yeah, he's still competitive. In the Constructor Series, thanks to him. <laughs> I mean, he came in ninth in points. But he's like the elder statesman right now, isn't he? He is now. Well, now the battle's gone. He had some unfortunate retirements or else he probably would have had more points. Well, the sandwich bag, I remember that. That took him out, didn't it? Wasn't that like 10 years ago? That was this year. It was like the beginning of the year. No, it was like last year, dude. Multiple people have had things in their break ducks this year, which have been unfortunate. Uh, we're lucky that he wasn't murdered in Austin by his teammate. <laughs> or not his, or his <laughs> soon-to-be teammate. Excuse me, Lance Stroll in Aston Martin, who drove him off the track and he went airborne, landed almost directly head on into the barrier, but came down 
sideways onto it. Was that Austin or Brazil? No, that was Austin. And he kept going. He yeah. kept going. That car, like, literally airborne, slammed into the barrier. Skull was knocked out. And then, and yeah, he, yeah, I remember now. Yeah. He was wrecked. Like, yeah, his car was trash. He was done. Somehow, heroically, Alonzo kept going. But then Stroll did it again in Mexico, I think. That's the one I remember. He I drove know. Vettel, his teammate off the track and Vettel had to drive through the grass and because he's good he like maintained control or that could have been ugly too I love the way that when he when Stroll does that the other people they put their radio on and they're like, just like okay this is how it's going to be okay <laughs> Forza rules <laughs> so unfortunately he's still around for another year Stroll's going to be around until his daddy runs out of money yeah, people stop basically. buying his his father's jeans so who are you guys rooting for next year what's your crystal ball say I mean, as an American citizen, I feel like I have to root for Logan Sargent just for fun. I mean, I'll wish him well, but he's not going to do anything good. So I will continue to root for Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like as Italians, you guys have to root for Ferrari. It's like a national pride. If Red Bull keeps the trajectory of their car and Mercedes can't improve their car, then it's Red Bull again. Because yeah. we all know Ferrari is going to disappoint us, even though they're going to come screaming out of the gates, looking amazing, qualify amazingly, and then just crumble on the race day. I'm not a fan of Christian Horner. I think he's a little weasel, but you can't deny his ability to run a race team. I don't like Max, so I'm not a Red Bull fan, but I really do like Sergio Perez. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because there's the controversy now about how Max handled the last couple races and not following team direction i think it was brazil perez was they were asking if to get perez some points right to help him in the standings because they finished six seven red bull so they had some issues that race and so it was like well we could let perez go ahead and it would help him clinch a second place finish overall in the season max was ahead of him the way they showed it when you were viewing they gave him the order they said, if you can't pass Alonzo by turn 12, let Perez by. Turn 12, if I'm not mistaken, is the last corner of the track before the start finish, like two feet later. So, well, like, he was going to come to a stop to let Perez, who was like two turns behind? Because <laughs> the gap was pretty large at that point between the two of them. Why you even give that order? And why it even mattered for him to try to beat Alonzo? You're already coming in sixth or fifth. Who cares? But on the other side of the coin, I could see the the point of, well, if you were up my butt and showing that you were faster, then I'd give it to you. But you're not anywhere near, which was the same kind of thing that happened in the last race where they almost talked about, well, because Max ran away again and he was in first out there by himself. And it was like, well, you know, do you slow down and start blocking Leclerc so Perez has time to catch up and then like cause a train so present get around and the and the announcers are hilarious because they're like uh yeah let's not do that that sounds a lot like race fixing because <laughs> you have like a dude with like 20 second lead and you're going to tell him to slow down so that you block the second place person so your teammate can like make it through because he was really trying to come back through the field to get up into eventually what third place that he finished but there wasn't enough time for him to pull back forward so stupid things like that like, I don't blame Max for being like, I'm not going to slow down. Like, you don't have the pace to be around to keep up with me. What am I slowing down for? Yeah, it's like, if you, if you want the points, earn them. 
Right. So do you think Max would ever leave Red Bull and go somewhere else? And if he did, where do you think he'd end up? No, why? Uh, Bruno. <laughs> and then McLaren. <laughs> and then back at Red Bull as a test driver. Why would he uh, leave a winning team that's made him a two-time world champion with, for all intents and purposes, a car that looks like it would probably do the same thing again next year? He's not leaving. He's going to do the, he's gonna do the Vettel. Keep going till there's a problem at Red Bull. That's only if everybody figures out how they're cheating and then cheats just like Red Bull's cheating and then he's getting his butt handed to him. So, you know, there's that aspect. Well, good. Then I'd like to see a little more competition than like the Red Bull being 30 seconds ahead of the next person. Exactly my point. Weren't we having these same conversations about Mercedes not two years ago? Yes, probably. (laughs) Because they were cheating. Everybody's cheating. They're all cheaters. It's like Buzz Lightyear. Everywhere you look, cheaters. Yeah, you say Mercedes was cheating, and yet wasn't it Aston Martin, or were they forced into it at the time? They got in trouble. Who was really cheating. Who basically bought Mercedes design from some like black market site and then built the car to Mercedes specs. And then all of a sudden force India is really good. They were racing point at the time. Cause the guy from force India got in trouble with all that financial scandal and all that crap. Yeah. Rich energy. So they basically built the year before his Mercedes and they were kicking butt and they were keeping up. And it's like, where the hell did they come from? Oh yeah. It's a Mercedes basically. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't beat them, join them. Right. hundred percent. Just goes to show. Right. Exactly. Well, I am not, too excited yet about the 2023 season. I will say I am excited about the Vegas race, except they're already saying it's going to be the most expensive it's race sold out. to go to. Yeah. And it, the track's not even ready yet. So it's pretty much insane. Curious to see it. If nothing else on TV, just for a new race. Although for those of you listening to this, we actually have a special episode coming out later this year, where we talk about the history of the Caesars Palace Grand Prix. And this is not the first time Formula One or IndyCar have run in Vegas. So a lot of history there, especially back in the 70s and the 80s, even during the time where the current Caesars Palace was being built and the Bellagio and stuff like that. So really cool kind of historical episode coming there as we look down the straightaway to next year. Well, Brad and Tanya, I thank you both for covering all this Formula One news for our fans, and hopefully they enjoyed our season-long retrospective here, and we look forward to seeing what happens next year. I never watched practice, but I used to watch both qualifying the sprint race when they occurred and the race. I only watch the race. I don't watch qualifying or practice. Nobody got time for that. But next year, I'm back back on the saddle. I can't wait to see Drive to Survive. (laughs) No. <laughs> no. You're not Horner's little helper? Ah, humbug. If you like what you've heard and want to learn more about GTM, be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org. You can also find us on Instagram at Grand Touring Motorsports. Also, if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows, you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you.
Hey everybody, Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization. And our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind the scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag. For as little as $2.50 a month, you can keep our developers, writers, editors, casters, and other volunteers fed on their strict diet of Fig Newtons, gummy bears, and Monster. Consider signing up for Patreon today at www.patreon.com forward slash GT Motorsports. And remember, without fans, supporters, and members like you, none of this would be possible.